Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you're here. Father, we thank you that you speak. Father, we thank you that you are concerned about our hearts. Thank you for your passion for our hearts. Thank you that you're a lover. Thank you that you chase us. Thank you that you corner us. Thank you that you don't compromise. Thank you that you don't cut corners. And we worship you this evening. Amen. The title for my address, which will not be four hours, I can assure you, is The Wilderness. I um, as an Englishman that works with uh, um, Iranians and, and other foreigners, I've, I've been married nearly 25 years, so I've been around foreigners quite a lot. You know, we, we get a few comments about our weather. But I, I hope that these last few days, none of you who are, you know, you've come to my country to live, I hope that none of you have been complaining about the weather. I was in London, I went to a lovely concert at St. Martin's in the Field on Friday night to listen to some Bach and some Handel and I was walking along the Strand just with my jacket and my shirt and people were sitting out in the street, end of October. Sunbathing in Brighton in October. The beach was packed. I mean, we've had fantastic weather. Amen. Thank you. But in June or July, I can't remember, one of these friendly, lovely Middle Eastern people, they came up to me and said this. Brother Tom, <laughs> you know, a few hours ago the sun came out. Last week. Was that your summer? Because you might remember we had a lot of rain. And um, I just like to remind you, if you ever complain about the rain, next time you go out and you are tempted to complain about the rain, I would like to remind you of a hymn that should really be our national anthem. I will spare singing it. Yeah. I, I won't make you endure that, but I hope... I hope, if you, I hope most of you know it. And did those feet, we know this one, and did those feet in ancient times. Walk upon England's mountains green. And was the holy Lamb of God on England's pleasant pastures? Mountains green. 
Pleasant pastures. Now tell me why. It's the rain that does it. That's why we are a green and beautiful land. Now, some of you might have traveled through the desert. I've spent time in the Baluchistan desert. Some of you might love the desert. Some of you might love the desert. Doesn't do much for me. It's hot. It's dusty. There's very little to see. Anything green looks completely miserable. The water is filthy, it's salty. So a desert for me is a place to get through. I like the green. Yes, I like the hedges. I like the meadows. And you know what? I like that feeling of rain. I like the it gives. Oh, we're all going to be rain worshippers soon. So I don't want to live in any desert. But here is a truth for us Christians. The wilderness <laughs> is a part of our story. You put wilderness into Bible Gateway or one of these uh, computer things that tell you where all the Bible words are in the, in the Bible. Hundreds and hundreds of verses come up. Because the wilderness was a central part of the Israelites' story. And the wilderness is just so many people's stories has the wilderness. Joseph went through the wilderness. David went into the wilderness. Hagar went into a wilderness. John the Baptist was in the wilderness. Paul was in the wilderness. Jesus was led into the wilderness. Page after page, the wilderness. One verse out of thousands, I give you. So, this is God speaking, Ezekiel 20, verse 10. So, I led them out of the land of Egypt and brought them into the wilderness. Yes, so I led them and brought them into the wilderness. I, God, led them into the wilderness. Yes, Incas Haneti, Yevneran Tareti, Anapat. It's a part of the story. And here's the truth I want to leave you tonight. God leads us into the wilderness. And we need to stay there. Or we'll miss out. God leads us into the wilderness. And we need to stay there. Or we'll miss out. How do we stay there? We need help. Where can we look for help? 
I just want to give three places we should look for help when we go to the wilderness. The first is we need to look at reality. Something comes blasting into our life. Everything was fine, everything was green, everything was full of sunshine. And then suddenly, out of the blue, we have days of scorching heat, evenings of freezing cold, and everything around us is suddenly barren. It's like hope has just fled away. We're in the wilderness. A wilderness, of course, can take many forms. Just one thing I want to say here, the wilderness that God leads us into is not a wilderness that we make ourselves. I leave the church, I go and commit adultery, then I have the wild, I can't say, oh, God's led me into the wilderness of sexual guilt. I spend 20 hours in front of the TV, I eat nothing but chips, I have a sort of, you know, I'm 30 kilos, I can't start saying, oh, I've got this terrible wilderness of my fatness. Being led into God's wilderness is when we're led into something that happens to us. A sickness. A betrayal. Very difficult in-laws. A really nasty boss. Oh, what you tell me. What boss you This Which basically says, you're Christian, you should be happy, no wilderness. So you're in your wilderness. And you've listened to all of this teaching. You might have even signed a few checks so these people can fly around in golden aeroplanes. <laughs> and all you've got to do is just claim it by faith, brother. Just claim it by faith. Jesus Christos, so there you are, you claim it by faith, 
But nothing changes. You're still depressed. You've still got lousy in-laws. You've still got lousy in-laws. You've still I tell you what has happened to thousands and thousands of these people who have gone to these meetings, who have claimed their whatever by faith, and they've come back to their little one-bedroom departments, and they've gone back to their doctor's appointments, Charles has probably seen loads of them. And nothing changes. So what happens? Despair. Despair. They move from being Christians who have faith to being cynics with despair. Because they didn't look at the reality. The reality is God led you into wilderness. And he wants you to stay there. And if you've, you should pray, we should pray. But if the, if the situation doesn't change, that's where you've got to stay. I don't know where this teaching came. You know, you get sick, then it's claim it by faith, and you're meant to say, well, actually, I've been healed, but my body doesn't know about it yet. Where's this come from? Where is it in the Bible? Can you find me an example? When Jesus healed, he healed. Bam! The person heals. Don't get me wrong. God heals. God heals. God can raise from the dead. But in the vast majority of cases, he doesn't. Why have we got a problem with that? Did Jesus heal everybody? Um, sorry. Did Jesus heal everybody? No, he didn't. So we have to face the reality. There's another type of person. They, they don't deny the reality, like, like the people who, who claim it by faith. These are the people, they're sort of more sort of stiffer up a lip English type, but they're going to change the reality. You know, they say, right, we're in a terrible situation here. I've ended up in the wilderness. Yes, and I'm going to take my jacket off. Yes, I'm going to get my spade and I'm going to dig my way out of it. Yes, I am going to work. No, I went to see Charles. He was a lousy doctor, so I'm not going to see him anymore. I'm going to see that doctor over there. He's a lousy. Well, I'll see that doctor. Oh, we'll see every doctor there is. Because I'm going to dig my way out of this. Now I've got marriage difficulties, so I'll go and see my counselor. She's a lousy counselor. I'll go and see this counselor. She's also a lousy counselor. So I'll go and see this counselor. I've been to see every counselor in London. I will go and see all the counselors now in America. But I'm going to get my marriage Because I'm a determined Christian. And I shouldn't be in this wilderness. But you're fighting against God. He's led you into the wilderness. 
try to change it is, is like trying to swim across the Atlantic. So these are two really terrible things that unfortunately have come to the church. There's a reality that God leads us into the wilderness, but there's a whole swathe of the church that wants to reject it. So I come back to the first thing to do, the first place to look is actually look at the reality. It's the reality of the wilderness. That's what Joseph did. That's what David did. They looked at the reality, but they kept their faith that God was going to change it one day. That's the tension of the, real, uh, of the reality of the wilderness. We, we accept that we are in a wilderness, but we can still keep our eye on God. That is real Christianity. Staying in the wilderness, but keeping our eye on God. There's a family in America, they call the Millers, very ordinary family. The mother is pregnant. And every night she prays over her unborn child. A prayer from Psalm 121. She prays over her, her, her unborn child. The Lord will keep you from all evil, from all harm. He will keep your life. Then Kim is born. And right from the start they knew something was wrong. The body is blue. The muscles are all floppy. Eyes don't focus. She's got pneumonia. She, she has difficulty breathing when it's cold. She has difficulty breathing when it's hot. And as she begins to grow with all these problems, not a single word comes out of her mouth. This happens. happens to Christians, it happens to non-Christians. Faithful Christian praying for their child. And a baby they of course prayed for the baby to be healed. No healing. Not a word coming out of the mouth. Every time it came for that monthly check, you know, that year check or whatever thing the medics do, you know, Kim was always completely off the scale. Just Everything but the Miller family accepted the reality but kept their eye on God. They realized that their wilderness was their own daughter. Something that had happened to them. 
That's the first place to look, and I'm going to stay with the Millers for a bit, because the second place to look is inside ourselves. Because when we are led into the wilderness, God is doing something in our hearts. You see, we talk a lot about mission. And that's very important. But actually, the only mission field you and I are responsible for is our own heart. You know your own heart. But I've got good news and bad news for you. God also knows your heart. And God leads people into the wilderness because he knows our hearts. When you come into a wilderness, there's a burning. A burning happens. When I was, um, I think I was 10, my, my mother found some letters uh, from another woman to my father. She wasn't very happy. I was 10, I remember sitting on the stairs, there was a huge row. And then after about half an hour, hour or so, boom, my father left. That was it, he had left. I remember that night, we, we sat and, uh, with my mother and my grandfather, I yes. think maybe one, but we sat and watched television. We, we did have television in those days. And Saturday night TV television in England hasn't changed over 30, 40 years. It's still Bruce Forsyth. It's Sir, sorry, Sir, isn't he now? No, he's X-Factor. Oh, it's X-Factor. That's not Strictly Come Dancing, isn't that? No, yes, also X-Factor. Oh, X-Factor. Is he Bruce as well, though? No, no. It doesn't matter. Anyway, it's still the same. Same sort of idea. So there we are sitting, watching Bruce or whoever it was. And I remember sitting there and thinking, why are these people laughing? father's just left us. I'm, I'm 10 years old, I've got a divorce on my hands. What, what are these people laughing about? That's what the wilderness does. When God takes you into a wilderness, and you see people watching Strictly Come Dancing, or The Apprentice, or The X Factor, or whatever the latest thing is, you just think, hang on, no. I, I don't want this rubbish. I don't want this froth. Because something has happened right down here. We're shaking. We're, we just want to survive in this wilderness. And you know, the last thing we want is Bruce Source like going, And so when we go into the wilderness, God starts to burn stuff 
That's what Paul Miller found when they had this, the, the, this, this, this uh, with their daughter Kim. They used to be so house proud, they would get the children to comb out. You know the carpet when it has stuff at the edge yeah. of it? They would get... They would try and get the children to comb out the edge of the carpet. He writes in fact, the Bible says it very clearly. It says, I led you into the wilderness to humble you. And I'm sure we can think of many stories about that. Joseph. He was proud. He thought he was God's gift to everybody. It's very interesting how God humbled him. It was through the thing that he was proud of. Very proud of his coat. Loved his coat. But it was that coat that humbled him. He had a coat ripped off him and put into blood and shown to the dad. And then you remember what happened to another coat. Joseph does not have a good history with coats. That, that Potiphar's wife. She didn't want the coat on his body. She didn't want the coat on his body. She wanted the coat off his body. Yeah. 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 She wanted the coat off his body. And I'm sure all of you have been through a wilderness. And in that wilderness, you just want one thing to happen. You want God to turn up. 
Sorry. Before we go into the wilderness, some of us we just come to the church, we learn a few clichés, we sing these songs. It's all superficial. It's about two millimeters deep. It's got no real meaning at all. Նախքան մենք անապատասներ, որոշներից գազենք եկեղեցի, երկու մենք աղոթում ենք եւ ամեն ինչը կարում ենք, բայց ոչ մի միտքը չունի։ And then we go into the wilderness. Եվ հետո գնում ենք արմատ չունի, բայց հետո գնում ենք Then we need to know անապատի մեջ։ Is God real or is he not real? Եվ այնտեղ է, որ պիտի իմանանք սա աստուկ կամքներ, թե աստուկ կամք չէ։ And then there's a third place to look. First place is to look at the reality. Second place is to look inside you. The third place is to look at God's signs. God sends signs when we're in the wilderness. Small little signs, but he sends signs. He's, he's like a, a lover behind the rock. And we're there in the sun. We want to know, is he there or not there? And maybe he just leaves a, a half bottle of water somewhere. That's much. Something small. Kim, the miller's daughter, never spoke. They prayed. Nothing. They did the determination thing, trying to see all the different doctors. Nothing. The husband sort of gave up. Good on the women, huh? The women. The wife, she kept on praying. And then, after maybe, I don't know, 10, 12, 15 years, long time, not, not a couple of weeks, in quite a few years, there was a sign. A computer. A computer. computer a speech computer. A computer. It came onto the market. Answer to prayer, yes or no. Yeah. That's a sign. They got the computer. Couldn't work it. Because none of you have ever been in that position. You've never had a computer that you couldn't work, but the millers couldn't work the computer. <coughs> then they're praying about that, and they see there's a course to specially learn how to use the computer. Sorry, I've looked at my notes. It was 24 years. 24 years of praying. And then the sign comes. Then they learned how to use it. Then they gave it to their daughter Kim. Do you know what the first word she said was? After 24 years, you've never heard your daughter speak. Her first word was McDonald's. It's true. When they heard McDonald's, they just rushed in the car and they went down to the McDonald's and said, whatever you want. And so Answer to prayer or chance? I don't. I don't. That was a sign that, that God had actually been with them. 
And the story goes on. God gives to the Israelites, he gave the sign of the manna, he gave the quails, he gives signs. So when we're in our wilderness, look for signs. They might be very, very small. But for us, it's the difference between is he there or is he not there. Because through those signs, God is writing a story. And if you walk out of the story, he can't finish it, can he? You're going to miss out big time. He led you into the wilderness. He will, in his good time, lead you out of the wilderness. And it'll be a part of the story. And God's stories are always the best. God leads us into a wilderness. Make sure you stay there. Ve <gülüyor> 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 Sorry. He's been there. What does it say in John's Gospel, chapter 3? As the serpent was lifted up, where was that serpent lifted up? That serpent was lifted up in the wilderness. As the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. He was lifted up in the wilderness. The author is at the heart of the story. He is not sending us somewhere where he hasn't been. But he wants us to stay in the wilderness. Because he wants us to know him more. These claim it by faith heretics. Uh, sorry. These claim it by faith heretics. Um, claim it by faith heretics. These people who who. Aha, like a, a sort of magic but God is a person. He has a passion and zeal for your heart and for my heart. So he leads us into the wilderness. Stay there. Look for the signs. And then you won't miss out.